ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is the 315 with Brian Higgins. All right, rolling along here. Greg Media, Daily Progress in Charlottesville, joining us in less than 10 minutes to talk about the Cavaliers taking on the Orange tomorrow. Charlottesville, John Paul Jones Arena, JPJ for short. JMA versus JPJ. Acronyms of the ACC. With that, why not hear a little bit? Uh, it's going to be a matchup of one coach who's clearly the winningest coach in the history of his school, Jim Beheim, and uh, the other with a win tomorrow can be the winningest coach in the history of his school in Tony Bennett. Well, let's hear from the one that still even has many, 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 many more wins than the other one. It's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the wheel of Beheim. All right. So, uh, Jim Beheim speaking last night on the aptly named Jim Beheim program. The Jim Beheim show every Thursday night. Go check it out at Carabas in the Fayetteville Town Center. Uh, he's asked uh, a lot of things. He was asked this. Uh, is Syracuse still a tournament team? Well, I mean, what do you think he's going to say to that? But uh, here, here is Jim answering that. Well, yeah, I mean, I always think we're going to be right to the, the end. I mean, <laughs> I think we can get to the tournament. That's You have to think that way. Sometimes people will go later, they'll go, well, he thought there could be a tournament team and they're not, so he didn't know what he's doing. Well, no, I mean, I... Yeah, what are you going to say? You know, like, no. You never are going to say, well, no, our team can't get to the tournament. <laughs> you always think you can get there. That's... That's just the way you have to think. It would be a bold next post-game press conference for Jim to get to the podium. Well, we stink. No tournament for us. We're just going to play out the string for the next 15. Practice is canceled. See you all Wednesday. Don't know if that one's coming down the pike, but yeah. Um, of course, uh, Jim Beheim's opinion on if his team is a tournament team. Matters not as far as uh, how that actually goes. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about it. Net rankings, this and that. And obviously, you know, if Syracuse can possibly trend in that direction, uh, a win Saturday would go a very long way toward uh, kick-starting that campaign. But I, I think this year, just based on the way the season started, you know, losses to Bryant and Colgate, which are uh, turning out to be not even quote-unquote good losses necessarily at this point uh, by the numbers. Uh, we're, we're so far away from uh, remotely considering that that while, yes, uh, a win this week would go a long way towards something like that, I, I just don't think that thinking about it is necessarily worth it <laughs> exactly this time of the year right now because this team is so far off the radar. They can still get there. Their record is okay enough that they can get there, but uh, they're going to need multiple of these type of wins going forward. But Saturday pre- presents the, you know, Best opportunity thus far in the ACC season to get one. And along with the Illinois game earlier this season, you know, road games, good teams, your best opportunities you've had uh, to pick up one of these big-time wins so far. Can the Orange win the game tomorrow? Uh, Sure. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. We'll kind of detail why later on in the show of how hard it is, how hard it's been for Syracuse to beat Virginia and what maybe they need to do in the game to do it tomorrow and why that might be even trickier considering uh, this year's roster and skill set. 
But we'll get into that. And, you know, when you beat Virginia, it's not an easy day. Like you don't go, you don't roll down there and, you know, beat them by 15 and head on home. You are in a grinder that is down to the last few possessions of the game. So hopefully the Arch can get into that grinder, mix it up, and win or lose tomorrow. It'll be telling to me, like, if the Arch can go down there and get in that mix and, you know, say the final score is 68 to 62, and I don't know who's got the 68 and I don't know who's got the 62, I'll probably leave thinking the Arch are okay. Like, okay, they can go down and play in that kind of game. Like, there's no shame in losing a game like that at Virginia. But we'll see. We'll see. Coming up tomorrow down in Charlottesville. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk to a guy that right now is, guess where? In Charlottesville. He is Greg Media. He is the Virginia sports beat writer for the Daily Progress down in, you guessed it, Charlottesville. He joins us next year. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Well, if you missed the breaks on QSportsTalk.com, you just don't know what you're missing. We spent the whole break talking about cake and cannolis. Four and a half straight minutes, cake and cannolis. And if you don't want to hear about that... You don't get the show. All right, rolling along here on this Friday. And uh, you know this, if you tune into this program at this time, on a Friday, you know, we missed it for a couple of weeks. We didn't miss it. It was just other days of the week. But we're back in the normal swing of things after the new year. We're through the holidays, which means we are here to give or take uh, 250, 245, 255. The last segment of the first hour on a Friday, we'll call it that. Uh, it is time it is time for us to get some picks. Could we have the money now? The answer is no. I'm afraid I must insist. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. What if there was a restaurant that didn't serve any food and just served up gambling? This horse loves the slop. I thought gambling was illegal. <laughs> Not if no one sees you do it. Father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother. No, I think it still is. But not if no one knows about it. I didn't know you know how to play poker, Lois. Yeah. Well, how you doing? Yeah. That's good, honey. Guaranteed bets. The man is a gambler. Results not guaranteed. Pay that man his money. It's the man who sort of knows. And here is what the man who sort of knows thinks he knows this week. Well, as we uh, know uh, from earlier editions of uh, this fun segment of radio. The man that sort of knows is not afraid to stray from the big four American stick and ball sports into different uh, realms uh, of the universe. We we had a lot of cars turning left back in the fall. We had football north of the border, all in uh, very profitable ways. Well, today begins, well, yesterday technically, but uh, the 2023 PGA season has begun. And it begins with a tournament of champions somewhere in Hawaii. Lovely Hawaii. You know who's good at the tournament of champions? John Rahm. You know who's tied for the lead right now at the tournament of champions? John Rahm. He shot nine under yesterday. And in a tie for the league. His over-under, he shot 64 yesterday. His over-under on his score today is 67 and one-half strokes. So if he takes 67 or fewer strokes... In round two, and he tees off, I believe it's 5.30-ish Eastern time due to the whole being in 
lovely Hawaii thing. He will be going for what would be his seventh straight round under 67.5 in lovely Hawaii at the Tournament of Champions. So take John Rahm and the under. The juice is not making it an exceedingly profitable bet anymore, but uh, predict John Rahm to go. Uh, it's not even all that low for him under 67 out there at the Tournament of Champions. But John Rahm to not hit the ball all that many times today. In the National Basketball Association tonight, it is the Bucks and the Hornets. We told you about the Hornets a few weeks ago, and if you followed that advice, you lost. We're going to tell you the same exact thing today. The Hornets give up a lot of rebounds to centers that play against the Hornets. The center that is playing against the Hornets today for the Milwaukee Bucks is one Brooke Lopez. His number tonight is six and a half rebounds. Take the over on Lopez. He has three straight double-figure rebound games, and he's coming off a career-high 19 rebounds the last time in which he played in a professional basketball game. Brooke Lopez, the over six and a half rebounds tonight against Charlotte. In the National Football League on Sunday, we got four bets, two games, and two player props. The Bucks are playing the Falcons. Todd Bowles swears that he's playing his starters. Among the starters are Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, and all those guys. The team number for the Bucs on Sunday against the Falcons is 17.5 points. The man that sort of knows says take the over for the Bucs in that game. He believes Todd Bowles. We'll see how long the Bucs starters actually play in a game that is uh, completely meaningless to them. They are locked into the four seed no matter what they do on Sunday. Vikings, 7.5-point favorites at the Bears. The Vikings have a very small point differential considering how many wins they have. They only win one-score games. 7.5 points is more than a one-score game. The man that sort of knows says, I don't care, I'm taking the Vikings. Why does he say that? Simply this, the Bears are starting... Nathan Peterman. The Bears are starting Nathan Peterman at quarterback. The Bears are starting Nathan Peterman at quarterback in the National Football League. That is a thing that has never worked out for anybody previously in the NFL. Starting Nathan Peterman has exclusively meant you get thumped. So the man that sort of knows, even though the Vikings may have nothing to play for, potentially they could still get to the two seed. More likely than not, they'll be the three. The man that sort of knows says the Vikings will cover, despite the fact they may rest their guys, because the Bears guy starting in place of fields is Peterman. And when Peterman plays, they lose and they don't cover. They have not covered the last three times he has started in the NFL, and they get thumped. A couple of player props to watch out for this weekend. Well, these are two players that are both playing in meaningful games, but they also have meaningful incentives in their contract. Evan Engram needs 61 yards. The Jaguars tight end against the Titans on Sunday, on Saturday, that game is. Evan Engram needs 61 yards receiving to get $200,000. 61 yards for $200,000. His over-under for yardage on Saturday is 46.5 yards. He needs more than 46.5 yards Take the over. Also, the last time he played against the Titans, 15 catches, 162 yards, and two touchdowns. 15, 162, and two. That would be over. Evan Engram in the over against the Titans. Hayden Hurst is the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's been out hurt. He's now back. His over-under is 29.5 yards against the Ravens uh, this weekend. The Ravens are not good at covering pass catchers. Hayden needs two catches, just two catches, to make $150,000. Two catches for $150,000. And the last time he played the Ravens earlier this season, he had six catches for 57 yards and a touchdown, which would be the over. So, 
John Rahm, under 67.5 tonight. Brooke Lopez, over 6.5 rebounds. Bucks, over 17.5 points this Sunday. Uh, this Vikings to cover against the Bears, 7.5. Evan Engram, over his yardage total. Hayden Hurst, over his yardage total this weekend. And that is what the man who sort of knows, thinks he knows this week. With that, we'll take a break, come back hour two. We'll get into the National Football League a little bit. Tell you what the plans are this weekend in uh, the back end of the news and the very good news around the, the returning health of one DeMar Hamlin. All of that and a whip around the league with Matt coming up in the next half hour here on the program. Then we'll get into Cuse in Virginia after that tomorrow in Charlottesville. Much more to come after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Sire? Let's look at this thing from the... Uh... From a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. Yeah, what have we done so far? Uh, Mario showed up. He, he showed up uh, so long ago that it wasn't even during this show uh, to deliver Jordan a surprise ice cream birthday cake of which we then all partook uh, and then mario stuck around and gave us his picks Bengals, steelers panthers and seahawks in the national football league akron on the collegiate basketball court tonight at ball state and georgia in the national championship game on monday this week's echo six pick we heard a little bit from the hall of Famer jim Beheim. We talked to Greg Media, the Virginia beat writer for the Daily Progress down in Charlottesville about tomorrow's game. And we heard from the man who sort of knows. He likes John Rahm not to take a lot of shots on the course tonight. Brooke Lopez to get a lot of rebounds. Bucks to score a lot of points this weekend. Vikings to demolish the Bears. And Evan Engram and Hayden Hurst both to get a lot of receiving yards this weekend for their respective ball clubs. And that brings us up to date as we welcome you, albeit Slightly late here into our second hour today. We'll talk a little Cuse in Virginia coming up at 3.30 or so. Matt will be in here for the 4-1 into 3-1-5, our standard Friday NFL whip around coming up in a few minutes. But let's start the hour with just a, a little update of where it appears things stand, A, with DeMar Hamlin, and B, with uh, all of the logistics around that regarding the National Football League here. And more great news about DeMar. The Bills announced it this morning. Apparently it happened uh, last night. We heard from his doctors yesterday afternoon uh, that, you know, he had communicated with them and whatnot. The next step was to uh, get off the breathing tube, and last night he did that. So breathing on his own, able, I mean, he's not chatting away, but he's able to talk and FaceTimed with the Buffalo Bills. His team this morning, they're in a team meeting. They FaceTime. Uh, with the Bills, he mostly was able to, you know, signal to them with his hands, but he, he did tell the group uh, that he loved those guys, and uh, I can't even imagine the reaction uh, in the room when that happened. So very good news uh, regarding the continued recovery of DeMar Hamlin. It's hard to believe. This is Friday. That that still happened less than four days ago. 
less than four days. That was Monday night at 8.55. We're sitting here on Friday afternoon at 3.09. That is less than four days ago that all that happened on Monday evening. And it is uh, shocking the amount of things that have happened uh, since then. Just did a quick check on his GoFundMe. It is trickling its way toward $8 million raised right now at $7.95 million raised to uh, DeMar Hamlin's going to have to, like, he's got to go fund me, like, legit now. He's going to have to create, like, an actual charity with, you know, lawyers and and LLCs and all sorts of stuff. But he's got uh, a lot of uh, charitable money uh, that he's going to be able to do something with when he's uh, back up and about. As far as the trickle out, you know, we've been leading into it all week about the logistics and what's going to happen. Are they going to play the game? How's it going to affect the one seed? Who's going to get the bye? What is going to happen with the playoffs? Yada, 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 yada. Well, the NFL owners, they had a meeting of the competition committee yesterday that came up with a plan that then required a, a three-quarters three vote uh, from the owners to pass it. So they did that last night and voted today and uh, passed what they came up with. And uh, what they came up with is this. They will not be completing the game. And thank goodness, that just would have been unnecessary. It would have been unnecessary for a lot of reasons. Like, are you going to go make them play that game? Hey, let's pick up from the second the guy almost died on the field and keep playing. Yeah, let's not do that. And then it doesn't disrupt the rest of the playoffs and the timing and when the games are and all that stuff. But... Because that game isn't going to be played, and because that game involved the current two and three seeds in the AFC in Buffalo and Cincinnati, it has caused potential disruptions in where playoff games would be played and things like that. So, if the Bills and or Cincinnati finish within a half game of the Chiefs, uh, they're going to play that game in the playoffs at a neutral site because of the fact that both of those teams have beaten the Chiefs. And if they you know, played the same amount of games and ended up in a tie, that those teams would have the home field advantage. So they don't feel, even though the Chiefs will have won more games in this potential scenario as it plays out, and because they would have played one more game, they don't feel fair uh, to make those teams go to Cincinnati to Kansas City, but they also don't feel fair doing vice versa because neither the Bengals nor the Bills in these scenarios would have actually won as many games as the Chiefs, even though had they, they would have had a tiebreaker. So there are potential scenarios for a neutral site AFC championship game between the Chiefs and either the Bills or Cincinnati, depending on results this weekend. Now, those results really would only be triggered if a, the Chiefs and the Bills both win this season, this week, or if the Chiefs and the Bills both lose this week are the only way uh, this would be triggered in any way uh, whatsoever. So that's something we'll watch out for going forward. They have not named uh, where uh, a neutral site would be, uh, depending on any of this. There's speculation on Indianapolis, but nothing has been officially named on uh, how that would go. Uh, the other scenario... Well, a couple other scenarios, because right now the Bills and the Bengals will play the same number of games. The Bengals, you know, had they, they were winning the game. It was 7-3, but they were up. Had they won the game, they would have, you know, had a tiebreak on the Bills. Instead, uh, they need the Bills to lose this week in Cincinnati if they win. Cincinnati, uh, due to just normal tiebreaking procedure, would end up uh, with the two-seed over Buffalo. 
is how that goes. If they both win this week, or if Buffalo wins and Cincinnati loses, um, say they both win this week, the Bills will be the two seed, the Bengals will be the three seed, very likely on a collision course to a second-round playoff game, that game would be in Buffalo because the Bills would be a game up on them in the standings. The weirdest one of these at all is the situation in the AFC North involving the Bengals and the Ravens. The Bengals, at the moment, are a game and a half up in the division on the Ravens. Just saying they're a game and a half up with a game to play. I dare say they've clinched. Well, yes, but the Ravens beat them earlier this season. So if Baltimore wins this game this weekend, Cincinnati will end up being a half game better than Baltimore. But in that scenario, the Bengals will win the division, but there's a possibility in that scenario that those two teams could play again in the first round of the playoffs. And if that happens with the Bengals as the three seed and the Ravens as the six seed, which is actually reasonably likely occurrence going forward, they are then going to flip a coin to decide if the game is in Cincinnati or in Baltimore. Uh, the Bengals are not huge fans of this and voted against it, but did not have the votes. And the Ravens, in that scenario, they would have swept Cincinnati uh, to do that. Now, if Cincinnati beats the Ravens uh, this week. If they do play again next week, then the Bengals would just host and they wouldn't, they wouldn't worry about it. So uh, a variety of weird circumstances coming up. And I, I think the idea of a neutral site game, you know, kind of leaves everybody a little dissatisfied is probably uh, the easiest way to end up. Now, the biggest thing that they couldn't solve is that uh, the Bills essentially, unless uh, they win and the Chiefs lose this weekend, which is possible, but if that does not happen, the Bills will have lost their chance of the first round bye. And there's plenty of teams that win the Super Bowl without the bye. Uh, the Rams were a four seed last year, and they played the Bengals, who were also uh, not the team with the bye, which was the Titans last year. And the Bengals beat the Titans in Tennessee, then beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, and then went to the Super Bowl. But um, there, there's just a lot of weird scenarios here in which, yeah, our team's getting screwed, you know, sort of. Was there really anything that you could do about it to solve all of the problems? The answer is no. There was no perfect solution to this. So I think after much talk and deliberation and voting, they have ended up in, let's call it, is it the best place? I don't know, but it's reasonable. It's thought out and it's reasonable enough. And with that, we'll table it and uh, move on. And man, the pages do turn, don't they? After all this talk and all that, you know when the next NFL football game is? Tomorrow, right back at it. The wheels never stop in the National Football League. Speaking of the National Football League, we're going to talk about it next. There are games this weekend. Matt will be in 4 on one into 3 on 5 We'll tell you about the football weekend coming up next year at SkewSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315 with Brian Higgins. That it is. Here we are. Rolling along here on this Friday. Cuse in Virginia is playing tomorrow. 5 o'clock. JPJ. Looking forward to that. Pre-game, post-game. Axe before 4 o'clock. Post-game. Cuse Talk. Cuse Sports Talk. Cuse Sports Talk. Dot com. Exclusive. Exclusively on QSportsTalk.com. The post-game show. Me, Devendorf. 7 ish for an hour ish 
That's the official time, place, and length. So the game tomorrow, a couple of news and notes. I'm here. Torrance did not play last game against Louisville, where both guards uh, for the Orange, Judah Mintz and Joe Girard, uh, played the full 40. Uh, Samir didn't play, had a shoulder uh, issue, uh, where Coach Beheim said after the game that he could shoot, but he he couldn't pass. He could shoot, couldn't pass. I, I guess his passing has returned uh, yesterday on uh, the Jim Beheim show. Jim Beheim said that Samir, quote, seems fine, end quote. So I guess we should expect to see uh, Samir in there tomorrow, which could be key. You want, you don't, I'm not saying you got to go three guards or anything like that, but there could be moments of the game, uh, as well as Judah has played this season. You are a freshman, you're going to Virginia, you're playing against Kihei Clark and Virginia's defense. That's different. That is something you haven't seen yet. That is a different level of stuff you haven't seen yet. And I'm not saying that means you can't play in the game, but you might need a moment of respite. You might need a pause. You might need a chance to regroup and gather before you get back at it. And that's where a Samir could be uh, quite valuable tomorrow just to give Judah a little break. You get that for 40 minutes. That's a lot. That is a lot. But the question tomorrow is this. Who's going to make shots from the outside? Who's going to shoot the ball and make it go in the basket? The Orange are 3-10 and ten all-time against Virginia since the Orange have joined the ACC. 3-10 and ten all-time against Virginia since the Orange have joined the ACC, which sent me looking for a little something. What, oh what, if anything, was in common about the three times the Orange win? And is it something that Syracuse could apply tomorrow? Once again... Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. No time to say hello. Goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there, make a lot of noise, and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Roberts. Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble. Oh, 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 oh. All right, so I forgot to hit the rabbit hole open yesterday when we were talking women's hoops, and we'd done much research and consideration, and it's gnawed at me for the last 24 hours. So we had to look up more stuff today so we could bring you our rabbit conversation and uh, then actually research something and bring you nuggets. So the Orange are 3-10 and 10, all-time against Virginia since joining the ACC. Do the three wins have anything in common? Uh, the first one was in the Elite Eight 2016 in Chicago. Syracuse won at 68-62. Uh, the second one was the February after that, 2017 in the Dome. The Orange won at 66-62. The third one was January of 2020 at John Paul Jones Arena. The Orange won it in overtime, 63-55. You look at the scores of the games, they're all, give or take, identical. Like, volume of points, pace of the game, very, very similar. Now, some of the losses... Like you think back to that season opener a few years back in the Dome right after Virginia won the national title. The Orange didn't get to 40. They did not score 40 points in the game. There's some games where the Orange are in the 40s, in the 50s. They cannot score against Virginia. Obviously, they didn't win any of those. There's some other games where Virginia got into the 70s and the 80s. Well, the Orange didn't win any of those because Syracuse has never been able to score with them. Like the best the Orange can really do in this series of late is get into the 60s like on a good day, there's been some losses, but uh, the most points 
that the Orange have scored against Virginia in these 13 games is 69. That's the last two times. They have not hit 70 points against Virginia at any point in these 13 games that they've played as members of the same league. Not once have Syracuse hit 70. So for the Orange to win tomorrow, the best case scenario is that Syracuse is in the mid to high 60s. That's just the way it has been. That is the way Virginia plays, and there's no real reason to see that changing tomorrow. Like, the Orange aren't going to go down there. We're not going to get to the final score. It's Syracuse 82, Virginia 78. That is not the game we're watching tomorrow. Now, Virginia could hit a lot of threes, and the final score could be it's Virginia 78 and Syracuse 57. Like, that's possible. Hopefully not the case, but that's possible. The other way, it has not historically happened once. So, okay, how are the Orange going to get these points? Three wins, 63-55 overtime, 66-62 Dome, 68-62 Elite Eight. The Orange have not gone wild shooting the threes in those wins, so let's not go crazy. The best one was uh, the overtime game at JPJ a few years ago. They hit 12 threes, 36 of their 63 points were three-pointers. Joe Girard was 5 of 11 in that game. Buddy Bayheim, Elijah Hughes were a combined 7 of 18, 12 threes in that game. Buddy hit 4, Elijah hit 3. In the Dome win in 2017, the Orange were 7 of 18 from 3. Again, not a high volume, but Tyus Battle, 3 of 6. Andrew White, 3 of 8. In the Elite 8 win in Chicago, the spring prior to that, the Orange were just 6 of 18 from 3. But you remember the 3s in that game, don't you? Don't you remember? Because Malachi went wild late. Malachi was 3 of 7, and Tyler Lydon was 3 of 5. So... What's in common from these games is the final score is ish about the same. And in all three of those games, the Orange had multiple players hit at least three three-pointers into the game. Multiple players hit at least three three-pointers in the game. All right, how is that going to happen tomorrow? Well, Gerard has to be one. Okay. Half the problem is solved. Who's the other guy going to be? Is Chris Bell going to hit three threes? He's done it before. You can't plan on it. Could tomorrow be the day? Is he going to hit three threes over the top of Virginia's famed pack line defense? Doesn't seem highly likely. It's not impossible. Justin Taylor's from Charlottesville. He can shoot. Is he going to hit three threes? I don't know. He had the one game where he went hog wild. He hasn't had another game where he's gone hog wild. He's going home. That's interesting. If you like narratives, that's one. Who else could do it? Is Benny going to hit three threes? Man, I don't know. So that's what we're looking for tomorrow. Joe Girard from the outside, sure. He needs a partner in crime tomorrow from the outside because Syracuse has never, never beaten Virginia in an ACC game where there haven't been at least two guys that have hit multiple shots from the outside. So that's what we'll be looking for in the ball game tomorrow. Tipping off at 5 o'clock. Devo and I postgame. QSportsTalk.com exclusive after 7 or so. And we'll be there enjoying it with you. With that, our final break. What's on tap when we come back is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.